do internet pirates have wooden legs? Answer me this, answer me this. Can I hang up my laundry on my nipple pegs? Answer me this, answer me this. Helen and Ollie, answer me this. While the rest of the world frets about the presidential apocalypse, we here on Answer Me This are fretting. Are fretting about napkins. To be honest, that that is uh, not even secondary in my frets that I'm doing right now. I, it's it's secondary in my frots. Yeah, <laughs> frotting into a napkin. Uh, why not for the first time? It's just your process. I went to boarding school. Why do cafes serve cakes on napkins? That's what we were asked in episode 342. So much anger. Uh, <laughs> Helen, you asked for feedback then yes. from people who Insiders. perhaps knew. Yeah. People on the ground with uh, napkin know-how. Well, Lily in Hebden Bridge has got in touch. Great. She says... I am a waitress in a cafe. I'm not entirely sure, she says, why we put the napkins on the plate. No! (laughs) Wait, there's more. Go back and email me again, Lily. I want facts. (laughs) Especially as it seems to make the food move around more when carrying it. So my idea that it may be stopped food sliding off the plate is an absolute no-go. Fine. Why should your speculations be particularly informed, Helen? I mean, Lily is a waitress. Have you ever been a waitress? You were a bar lady. I was, and... I nearly said maid. Would that be sexist to call you a barmaid? You were a lady who was behind the bar. I mean, at, at the time, I was a barmaid because it was like 2000 to 2002, but now I suppose I'd be a bartender. Yeah. But also at the time, I did work in our college dining room. So I was waitstaff there, but I mean, you'd mm. be lucky to get a paper napkin there. But also, I, I saw you play that role and I'd go as far to say you like ironised the wenchiness of that. I think because I'm not a drinker. <laughs> Yeah, I think I can't fully characterise someone who is unironically into that job, but I did really enjoy being a bartender. I felt like you were having fun with the... Barflies. The stereotype of the like 1960s barmaid. Spill all your troubles, but leave at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you never served cake, that's my point. I would have if you could have put it in a plastic pint glass. <laughs> anyway, Lily's ideas are these. Okay. Firstly, if the food is particularly wet or sticky, it will drip onto the napkin instead of the plate which makes the plate easier to wash. But makes the napkin harder to be a napkin. True, but that's thinking about the customer. I think what Lily's done here is she's thought, why would the owner or the kitchen staff suggest the napkin? And I totally see their point there. Yes, yeah, Lily, good one, okay. But isn't the uh, customer going to take the cake off the plate and eat it on the plate without the napkin and therefore get cake crumbs on the plate anyway? But maybe during the journey is when it gets its most slippery and slidey and uh, messy. Mm, Okay. Secondly, says Lily... It's just a lot easier to take a napkin on a plate than having to take napkins separately. That is one of the things we mentioned in the last episode. However... You've got a useless napkin covered in cake detritus. The the (laughs) napkin's essential function has been ruined by this process. Hmm. So it'd probably be better to have some kind of napkin holster on the wait staff. Or just have napkins on the table. Well, the trouble is you've got to trust your customers not to go on a napkin binge and make off with their toilet paper for the week, courtesy of you. We have a different theory of napkins from Tori, (laughs) who says, I used to work as a runner in a post-production house where the facilities manager made us put folded napkins under slices of toast because she said it looked fancy. No, you can't ever make toast fancy. Well, people have tried that with the sourdough uh, and just ratcheting up the price, but you can't ever make a paper napkin look fancy, I think. 
Tori says, every time I did it, I used to think how stupid it was because the napkins ended up covered in crumbs and soggy with butter. You were right to think that, Tori. We often got asked for fresh napkins by editors, so it was a bloody pain in the ass and a huge waste of napkins. Now, an editor, that's someone who needs a fresh supply of napkins. Yeah, because you don't want to get grease on the equipment. Exactly. Very expensive in Edit Suite. Actually, talking about making crappy food look posh. Mm-hmm. You were at an award ceremony the other week, Ollie, because the modern man was up for a radio award. Oh, thank you for mentioning it, Michael Aspel. And who's this coming through the door? Why, it's my good friend Jeremy Beadle. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, and um, a friend who was also there Facebooked some uh, photos of the food, which uh, doesn't seem to have been a very stellar selection. And it was miniature things, like miniature burgers, miniature hot dogs. And it looked kind of low-end. And I thought it could be ironised low end, but a garish paper wrapper for those things, yes. The plastic plate, that's when it just becomes a quite shit plastic plate. Well, look, I don't mean to be ungrateful because we did at my other podcast, The Modern Man, uh, modernmanwith2ends.co.uk, get nominated for Podcast of the Year and we did receive the silver award. And that was all really nice. Yay! Congratulations. Thank you. But all you got was glass of champagne upon arrival and then something blue. Something blue? Just Something any borrowed. Blue, what, like a biro? <laughs> it, it looked a bit like toilet duck in a glass. Oh, a blue drink. Mm. That is bad news. And everyone felt a bit odd afterwards. Yeah, that, I mean, blue drink will do that. Did you wake up four hours later and they're like, yes, the ceremony's finished, everyone's gone home. Oh, that's mm. a good cost-cutting measure, isn't it? Yeah, no need to hire a presenter or anything. <laughs> it really went to everyone's heads. I think partly because there was no free food laid on. Yeah. That miniature food you're describing, we had to pay for that. Um, so it was actually it was quite tasty, but it was like mini burger, mini fish and chips, mini burrito. Each of them cost something like £5.50 and you definitely needed three to feel full. As it was when our award actually got announced mm-hmm. by Jamelia. Oh, oh I'm re- I was really jealous when I saw it was Jamelia. I wasn't even in the room oh. um, because I'd gone for a piss. And then as I walked back in the room, heard my name mentioned with a round of applause and didn't know whether I'd won or what. Oh, wow, how weird. And that was the sound of us coming silver. But had we won gold, my team, the rest of the show would have had to have gone to the stage without me and I'd have come back doing up my fly. Well, it's it's a way to make an impression. Here's a question from Lucy from Nottingham who says, Ollie, answer me this. Sawn off shotguns. What is the advantage of sawing off the front of a shotgun? <laughs> I've got the saw in my hand, I've got the gun, but I'm just not <laughs> sure why I'm doing it. <laughs> I assumed it's to make them more portable, but they're often attached to a wall or carried in a truck. But you still have to carry them to your truck. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. It is transportability. Uh, mm-hmm. Wherever you see them when they're dormant, of course, the point of a gun is not where it rests and resides, but where it's used when you want to shoot someone in the face with it. Uh, um, and at that body. Point, yeah, sure. Or genitals. Um, and at that point... Or limbs. <laughs> yeah. And at that, well, actually, more relevantly... Or feet. Taking it away from high levels of street crime and just talking about kind of its most common use, actually, which is defence against animals in the wild. Right. Um, when you're using it in that circumstance, transportability is quite important, obviously, because you can put it in a backpack, for example, or yes. in a tent. Or it's a bit more manoeuvrable. On a on a kind of harness on your body yeah but if you've got the full-on harness then you want the full-on you want the full-on shotgun with nothing sawn off i think i suppose the question would be why saw off a shotgun rather than just getting a shotgun it's frequently now in countries where handguns are illegal right um that criminals opt for the sawn off shotgun because in britain for example it is easier to obtain a gun that you can then saw the end off and say i'm using it as a rifle to go hunting with than it is to try and get a handgun on the black market. And there may even be a different level of crime involved in that, I don't know. Right. But I imagine if you'd obtained the rifle legally, 
it's probably not illegal to saw the end off it. It's illegal to walk around with it in the street, uh-huh. which is a different crime to getting a handgun on the black market and walking around with it on the street. That's two crimes, isn't it? I wonder whether it interferes with the trajectory of the bullet having lost most of the barrel. Um, it can do some serious damage up close and mm-hmm. is harder to shoot from a distance. So again, quite good for close-up crime. And also, it's intimidating, isn't it? If you just want to threaten people with it, it yes. doesn't matter how accurate it is, that's probably quite good, isn't it? I yeah. don't know. If I was being threatened, I don't think I'd notice whether it was a sawn-off thing or just a gun. But unless there are whole sides to your life that I don't know, <laughs> you're not a smack dealer. I think if you were in that kind of industry, you would recognise a sawn-off shotgun if I came for a meeting. I saw a copper write about this, actually, okay. in, in an online forum. What you would think was, okay, there's been forward planning here. Uh. This isn't a crime of opportunity. This is someone deliberately saying, look, I've prepared a gun to intimidate you with. I mean business. But you don't actually have to saw off the end if you're in a country where they are legal, like in most states in America, although there's a lot of paperwork you have to fill in. Probably not enough, but a lot. Um, You can buy ready sawn shotguns ready sawn like ready ripped jeans that takes the fun out of it it's like getting it does. packets of chopped apples it can't can't you get one that's uh, extendable like a telescope uh here's a question from colin he says at what age is a woman considered mutton dressed as lamb is it higher or lower than the age that a man is considered ram dressed as lamb a thing no one has ever said ram dressed as lamb that's quite that interesting the thing is, though, men's clothes, I think, don't change as much over your lifetime. It's plausible that a suit that you bought when you were 20 would still look good on you when you're 70. Mm. Whereas women's clothes, the type of clothes that you wear, uh, are more likely to vary. But I think it's not so much there are things you can't wear, there are more ways in which you can't wear them or it might not match your personality or the messages those clothes are sending out feel like at different stages of your life. There are a lot of stories you're telling with your dress and they may not be matched by your actual person. But what age would you put this uh, ranking? Well, I think it's I think it varies person to person. I think when people say this, they mean a 50-year-old woman oh, yeah. is wearing a miniskirt, but some 50-year-old women look great in miniskirts. Yeah. It's so mean, I really hate that phrase. I think with me, even in my mid-20s, there were certain kind of childish fashions I couldn't get away with. But to other people, they'd still look quite kitsch and sweet in them in their late 30s or early 40s. I think that's it. I think it does vary person to person. Because, like, in my case, for example, you know, my famous leather trousers that you've referenced before on the show. Oh, yeah. I was ram-dressed as lamb when I was 21 wearing those. Yeah. Because I was trying to look like the kind of 21-year-old who could get away with leather trousers. Yeah. Whereas Chrissy Hind, I think she's now pensionable age, still looks good still in leather trousers. Still looks good in leather trousers, exactly. So although I don't think it is necessarily true that a man can't be the equivalent of mutton dressed as lamb at the same age as a woman, I think it's more typically true that women are trying to look a younger age than they are than men. Because the thing is... that Because was un- society. Possibly, yeah. It might also be that the clothes available, there are a lot of shops catering to you if you are in your teens or early 20s and then some shops that will sell you boring clothes that don't really look like much and you don't want to wear them until you're old enough not to care and then there's a middle then there's a middle bit where you just think i'd like to look interesting but i can't shop at new look anymore i think actually when we met you probably were lamb dressed as mutton yeah probably i've got photos of you as lamb dressed as mutton and now i've aged up so it's fine but at the time i didn't realize because you know when you're like in your early 20s, you look at someone else in their early 20s, you see them as a grown-up. It's only when you're in yeah. your 30s you look back and they look like kids. Yeah. Mm. Now I look back and I was like, oh, we squandered our youth dressing up as old people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are things as well that I think don't work the older you get. So like looking bedheady, 
bedhead mm. looks better on young people because the older you get the more it looks like you are not good mm. in your life but also the older you get like clothes that are cheap just just look cheap rather than yeah like yeah. a style that's true and it's it's annoying because you don't necessarily have more wherewithal to spend more on better made clothes yes I can't go to H&M anymore and just buy off the dummy whatever the fashionable t-shirt is because yeah. I do look like Ram dressed as lamb. But and if I, you went to Liberty, you probably could buy a t-shirt it would be 200 quid. Yeah, well, yeah, which is how you end up at Marks and Spencer, isn't it? I mean, yeah. that, that's how we all end up at Marks and Spencer. <laughs> we might just go and live there now <laughs> so, see out the rest of our days. <laughs> but think you of a specific example, right? Johnny Depp. Mm. At some point, and probably not till his late 40s, early 50s, Johnny Depp went from looking like an eccentric man with an experimental style to somebody who was 20 years past his sell-by date and should have dropped the whole spiv dressed as a dreamcatcher style. <laughs> and it just looked tragic rather than it evolving with him and his age. Yeah, I mean, his get-out was, by that time, he was a massive movie star. So he was dressed as Johnny Depp. Yeah, but he was dressed as a shit version of Johnny Depp. Yeah, but it's like the Queen Mother, isn't it? Like there comes a point where that, like his look had become iconic. So you're like, oh yeah, that's that's how Johnny Depp dresses. You can update your look. It's like the Queen. She still looks sharp at ninety. It's not necessarily current, but she's evolved the look with her decades. How could Johnny Depp have evolved the look? Well, he could do what age? the Queen does and just wear like matching pastel-coloured hats and coats. If you got a question. Then email your question, yeah, to answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Huh. Answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Hepcat. Answer mail this podcast, googlemail.com. Let's take a question from Adam in Yorkshire, who says, Helen, answer me this. Why is Mount Rushmore? To promote tourism in the Black Hills of South Dakota, where Mount Rushmore is located. I always assumed that's why Mount Rushmore existed as well. That is why most tourist attractions in America exist. Okay, so that's the basic answer, uh, to inspire tourism to an otherwise unpromising area. Yeah. But Adam has further questions. I bet. Of Rushmore. Okay. Who thought of this? The idea, the idea of carving presidents onto the side of a mountain. The historian, Dwayne Robinson, thought of it. He cribbed the idea from Stone Mountain just outside Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, that's magnificent. I hate Stone oh, Mountain. It's really I just good. thought it was horrible. Uh, do really, really big slushes. Slower. What Stone Mountain? Stone Mountain is a big lump of rock, a very smooth, curved cliff, and they've carved a scene into it. I just looked at it and thought, who gave them the right to go and scratch a bloody great scene into a huge mountain? But we went to see the Sir Navas Giant. Yeah. A guy with a massive cock penciled into the size of a hill in in uh, the West Country. Yeah, but that's carved we out of very grass. very amused by that. That's carved out of grass, so you can relay the grass. Whereas this is rock that is forever scarred now. It's rock that took extraordinary amounts of time to form, and now it's got this thing always in it. What is the thing? What does it depict? Is it a uh, confederate scene? Alright, so he was inspired by that. And then he got the sculptor who did Stone Mountain, Gutson Borglum. Amazing. Uh, Dwayne Robinson originally wanted to carve into a geological feature called the Needles, which is a cluster of tall, thin, pointy bits of granite. But um, Guts and Borglum said that that granite was not good enough and it was too spindly. So mm. they uh, went and uh, switched to Mount Rushmore instead. But was the plan always to put the presidents on it? 
Uh, well, have no. some other ideas to begin with? Yeah, Dwayne Robinson's original idea Bowl was... of fruit. <laughs> Nudes. Just uh, uh, some dogs playing pool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he wanted to carve local heroes into it, so General Custer and uh, Native American chiefs. And Gutson said, no, think more nationally. Think presidents. He was right, that Gutson. Not no. have been so successful internationally in his previous effort that I've never heard of. But Rushmore, that travelled. Like, I know about it. I've seen the picture. It's you... only because it's got the presidents on it, I reckon. I guess so. I suppose the Hitchcock film could have been quite different if uh, she was dangling over General Custer's face. Is that North by Northwest? Yeah. yeah. Vertigo. North by Northwest, yeah. I always, always get it muddled up. I get it muddled up too, because North by Northwest is the one with the... Crop duster. Crop duster, duster. right. So that's the same film that's got the... Mount Rushmore. Mount right? Rushmore, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. V- Vertigo is the one that's shot really well but makes no fucking sense. But you'd think if the film's about Vertigo that at the end she'd be clinging to a notorious mountain, but it's just like a church steeple or something, isn't it? I suppose if you're scared of it, then it doesn't need to be big, does it? If you're no. afraid of heights, you can be on a chair and be frightened. Adam's next question is, who are the four presidents on it? George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt. And Lincoln was the most difficult to sculpt because of his beard. Hmm. And also his worthiness. His honesty. Yes. <laughs> just hard to replicate in granite. Exactly. Um, Adam says, why was it those four presidents? Is it something they've done like outstanding work? Like the outstanding work of being presidents. I suppose the outstanding work of, of building the largest democracy in the world was probably the reason, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was, it was to represent the first 130 years of American history. And it was those four in particular because he felt they had made a particular contribution to the country so yeah so they're not the first four in order are they they're just like the four that everyone knows yeah so lincoln and washington he felt two most famous ones then jefferson signed the louisiana purchase in 1803 which nearly doubled the size of the usa and incorporated uh, south dakota and then uh, the president at the time of the mount rushmore plans uh, calvin coolidge suggested that roosevelt should be the fourth uh, because he founded the National Park Service oh, and yeah. also because he wanted it there to be uh, a split between Republicans and Democrats. So this is like the mid-1920s that they're planning this. It was finished in 1941. Well, Adam's next question is, did they plan to do all the presidents? No. It was always ever going to be four? Yes. And not added to at any point? I don't think so. That seems the, very un-American. Yeah, but the mountain is limiting the dimensions of this. And yeah, they already Americans had to, are always thinking franchises. But they had to... Well, then they're going to have to pick another mountain. Yeah. But they had to change the layout of it already because um, there was weakness in the granite. So they had to move where some of the heads were supposed to be. And also, they were supposed to be depicted uh, down to the waist. But after they'd completed the heads, they'd run out of money. Uh, and finally, Adam wants to know, why is it called Mount Rushmore? Uh, that's what the mountain was called before they carved it. Although only from 1885 so it hadn't been called mount rushmore for that long there was a businessman and attorney called charles e rushmore and in 1884 he was in the black hills area he was checking on the deeds of a tin mine or something there was a dispute about and uh, i'm not going to say it was named after him allegedly allegedly he asked you've got a mountain carved of presidents and you name it after some bloke who was in town doing a job well allegedly he said to his guide what's that mountain called and they said oh let's call it rushmore it doesn't have a name of course it had a name because these were native american lands they belonged to the lakota sioux and it was called the six grandfathers but what a surprise they overwrote that history and took their territory see now that's interesting because you could have paid tribute i appreciate this would have been politically difficult but you could have paid tribute to its original name by calling it the four grandfathers couldn't you actually this is sort of effectively what it is grandfathers of the nation better name yeah much better name after random bloke i guess so um but i think the fact that they carved those white presidents into a native american territory mountain Mm. as was that was controversial enough but now nearby not many miles away uh, they've been carving a mountain since the 40s into the image of crazy horse 
Um, and when that's complete, uh, which probably won't be in our lifetimes, it will be the biggest sculpture on Earth because it's a mountain size. But that's controversial as well. So I think, basically, carving people into mountains will cause upset. Yeah, but don't name them after just some loser who happened to be in town. That's what I do. I mean, call it Mount Lincoln. That's what it is. Or Mount President Face. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's good to know, though, that if you want a mountain named after you, you just have to ask. Well, some of our work that will be forever memorialised in the form of MP3 downloads, not actually carved <laughs> into a mountainside. But it's about as uh, permanent a format, right? As uh, <laughs> carving into stone. Are our five special themed albums. Jubilee, Sports Day, Love... Christmas and holiday. That's all of them, isn't it? Yes. I did have to count on my fingers. Yes. Good. Um, Which are available through our website, answermethisstore.com. And only 50 something shopping days until Christmas. It may feel odd to be uh, trailing out of all of those a festive selection at this time of year when we've only just had Halloween. They have been showing love actually on various freeview channels the whole year round. The mince pies have been in Morrison's for a month now. Everyone's already thinking Christmas, so get yourself ready. Everyone. For the festive season uh, with our special hour-long festive edition of Answer Me This which contains questions about Christmas you will never hear on the podcast. And Kwanzaa. And and an album that you definitely need uh, in your life on Christmas Day. You know, it's it's become a staple now, hasn't it? It's like the Bing Crosby album. I would say more the run-up to Christmas and uh, listen to it every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, if you want to buy Answer Me This Christmas, it's available for just £2.49 and all Ooh. that money goes to supporting our show from our website... AnswerMeThisStore.com And here's a bit for today's intermission. During the Second World War, the Ministry of Defence commissioned a cracker maker to uh, tie bundles of cracker snaps together and then they were used by soldiers in training when they were pulled apart to mimic the sound of uh, machine gun fire so they got used to it. That's horrendous. Although, obviously, it's right to be prepared for the uh, vagaries of war, isn't it, with with something horrendous. Insofar as you can prepare. Like a Christmas cracker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, (laughs) I think they took the toys out as well. (laughs) They probably left the jokes in to get them uh, immune to real pain. As you foretold last time, Skype took away our voicemail greeting and apparently now there's nothing. Checking our voicemails this week, a lot of hang-ups. You think people called us and then thought, oh no, this must be the wrong number. But it's the right number. The right number is this one in the jingle. Trust the jingle. And trust Skype that if you type answer me this into Skype, you can leave us a, a question. But don't trust Skype to maintain their voicemail feature no because they'll just take it away at least one of you didn't hang up and uh here they are patrick in omaha nebraska uh i'm just buying some very bougie scented candles and i was starting to wonder when exactly scented candles became a big commercial success that they are now i'm I'm, i mean i know that probably candles that are scented existed as long as candles have but when did they go from something that like a rich person owned to something that like an asshole like me could purchase for $20 a set. Thanks, <laughs> bye. Uh, if, if I have to put a, a year on it, I'd say about 2010. Um, oh, really? Yeah, but it's been huh. rather like podcasting. It's been a slow, steady build over time. He might say it's been a slow burn. I think it's quite a lot earlier than that. I mean, we're talking about candles that come in jars, aren't we? Yeah, but he said big commercial success. Yeah, I think it's pre-credit crunch because Girls Aloud effectively broke up in 2009 and Mm. Nadine was going to make a living out of having a posh candle shop in (laughs) California. And so I think there was enough bourgeois candle industry before Girls Aloud split up. There definitely was. I mean, I've seen it 
evolve over the years I, I when i was a researcher on this morning when we used to have guests come in when they got their goodie bag to say thank you so much famous person for coming on our show and promoting your shit thing they'd get <laughs> oh, given now, now the gloves are off <laughs> they'd get given a bag from uh, joe malone it was oh, then that's good because yeah. i was thinking what you're giving them airwick candle joe malone joe those malone. candles are like 40 quid yeah 40 quid well she's been at it for decades so exactly so i, I i'm aware but that's what i'm saying slow burn steady build slow i would say burn. I would say it was the turn of this decade that, certainly in Britain anyway, okay. that it began to see the huge growth we're seeing now. I mean, even just in the last couple of years, for example, um, between 2014 and 2015, the spend on scented candles in Britain went up 22%. Bloody hell. So, you know, yes, they've been a thing, but they've only just become a thing that you can buy the own brand version in Tesco for a fiver, really, in the last few years. The point is the 20 quid one is in itself a budget one. Like, it yeah. used to be the case that the high-end scented candle... I mean, like you say, Joe Malone's 40 quid. Diptyque, 80, something. Exactly. Oof. Liberty sell them for £300, some oh, of them. Oh, man. But actually, when you compare that to the cost of a handbag that you can buy there, that's fuck all, isn't it? Yeah, but the handbag doesn't melt. True. might in the wet circumstances. <laughs> the thing is, I think like with all of these high fashion things, when you're spending 300 quid on a candle, it's a bit like buying a wallet or a perfume from that company. It's a way of getting that brand into your house that you can afford because you probably can't afford the coat or the handbag. Who can afford a 300 pound candle? Someone who goes to Liberty and likes the coat but can't afford it. That's who. Exactly that's what that a 40 person. quid candle is for. No, no. That's, that's, no. The 40 quid candle is for you and me buying it oh, for our right, mums at Christmas. Right, right. The 300 pound candle is for the person who shops at Liberty but can't afford the coat. What a load of shit. For the person who goes to the opera but sits in the £100 seat because they can't afford the £250 seat. It's a market that exists. It's just, you know, more rich than us. Let's talk household budgeting. How much would you spend a month on uh, scented candles? Well, as it so happens, my local post office (laughs) does almost nothing of use, but they have an amazing bargain bucket by the uh, till in which you can find the randomest selection of things, including, recently, scented candles. Uh, for a pound each. That's good. But how how bad is the smell? Well, it's it's not pretending to be high class. Is it beef and onion? It swizzles drumstick. <laughs> oh, that's uh, all right. Yeah, smells like drumstick. Does what it says on the tin. Can you pick one up for me next time you're in there? I will, Martin. That was when I first realised that I don't like receiving presents. Was when I kept getting given candles, and I was like, "God, I hate being given candles as presents." And I really started to resent them. But actually, it's I don't like getting presents. Right. So now you just resent the people who give them to you. I do, and what a backhander that is. What a joy you are to have as a friend. But I can understand the reasoning why people would give you a candle because they're like, it's a luxury good that you don't have to put up with for that long, so you can burn it. But don't give me one. I think it's replaced the bottle of wine as a dinner party accessory for a lot of people. It's replaced smelly soap. Possibly. Given that choice, I'm coming to you for dinner. Yeah. Chocolates. I always like it when people bring me flowers. Martin does like flowers. Okay, fine. So flowers for Martin, chocolates for Helen, and candles go fuck themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they can. They can leave them in the car park fucking themselves. (laughs) Why are all Yao's fan sites just about one thing? The only way is up is not the only song she sings. What about Abandon Me? One true woman or good thing going... A single from 96. You should make your own Yaz site to fill in the gaps. Since you seem to think all the current Yaz sites are crap, go to squarespace.com, build your Yaz site, and put Yaz back on the map. The only way is up. 
Thank you, Squarespace, for sponsoring this episode of Answer Me This and for making it so much easier for you listeners to build a website that isn't awful. Yeah, that's right. Whatever your business or portfolio, you can make it look beautiful with Squarespace. Even if uh, you just created a big gallery of open sewers, it would look beautiful <laughs> using squarespace.com. Actually, and, and also if you want to sell merch that was open sewer related, you can put a store page up on there and that's pretty easy to do as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and if you wanted to take donations to keep your gallery of open sewers alive, <laughs> Um, that would be easy too and also you get a, a url thrown in if you sign up for a year so you could see if opensewers.com is available yeah. and uh, it comes part of the squarespace package and uh, you can get 10 percent off that package for a year if you use the code answer, answer. here's a question from callum ab negative from bath who says i am a regular blood donor same helen answer me this if another person received a transfusion of my blood and they committed a crime later that day. Mm-hmm. This is already sort of Twilight Zone style question. Seems likely, doesn't it? If someone needs a blood transfusion, they're going to be up right as rain after nearly four hours of having that pumped into their body, ready to do criming. Uh, they, could, they could do a like online fraud. <laughs> True. Probably then their blood composition is not going to be a problem. Well, this is it. Callum says, is there any chance I can be wrongly embroiled in the investigation if they were to cut themselves at the crime scene, leaving a cocktail-like sample of our bloods on the windowsill? Uh, and if this is true, could I also use this excuse as a legal protection if I did decide that my honest life so far wasn't working out? I.e., it wasn't me who committed the crime, but someone who had my blood inside them. Well, the thing is, unless you had a total blood donation, mm. you're still going to have the dominant blood, and the donated blood will be a relatively small proportion. I mean, it has to get pumped around your body pretty quick, like and mixed yeah. in with your other blood. Yeah, and and also uh, often blood transfusions aren't the whole blood. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they are mainly red blood cells, which mm. don't carry genetic material. Mm-hmm. Uh, only the white blood cells do, but you'll have fewer of them. And I think probably blood tests can tell that it's not one person's blood, particularly like if you've got blood from someone of a different gender to you, then uh, that would show up. It would just look like an odd result. You might have certain like. Um, antibodies that are heightened because often after you've had a blood transfusion another reason why you probably wouldn't be fit to crime that day you might have allergic reactions you might have fever Mm. dizziness tiredness but some of those can be very serious they can lay you out for a few days but also if you've had lots of new blood yeah it's unlikely to all be from the same person isn't it right that's a good point yes it's almost definitely not because you're not allowed to donate nine pints of blood because it'll kill you so therefore if that sample showed up at a crime scene, I reckon whoever's analysing it would be able to say, there are nine people's bloods here. Yeah. Let's not use the blood sample. Yeah. But you might have traces of someone else's blood for... It's usually about four to eight days it starts to fade, but if you've had lots of their blood, it could be there for 18 months. James Bond-wise, this would be quite a good plot, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, more realistically, shit Jonathan Creek Christmas special. I like the idea that someone might commit a crime on purpose using someone else's blood to frame them like if you could somehow but why not just take a bit of their blood and leave it at the scene rather than pumping it into your own system because because silly plots because jonathan craig exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay hello it's tom barrett from norwich and my question is have heinz baked beans always had a z on the end of beans i've never noticed it before and i wondered if this was phased in for the cool kids 
Is that cool kids with a Z? I suppose it matches the Heinz. It does. And I'm looking forward mm. to you saying Heinz several times in the special way that you do. No, no you can I say mean, it normally now. I've noticed this. We, since we bullied you about it, you've, you've started to say it yeah, like a normal right? person. Exactly. And yet yeah. Helen still says penguin, and yet it's fine to bully me yeah. for Heinz. Well, peer pressure doesn't work on me. Um, I do say yeah, Heinz because I never realised until this is really something for retro fans of the show. This was seven years ago or something. Uh, I was casually talking about Heinz on Answer Me This, and everyone said that's not how you say it. You say it Heinz. Because it isn't. And also, your mum phoned up to say that it isn't. <laughs> anyway. Um, Heinz introduced this change in 2008. Right. So you're right, Tom. They haven't always been called beans with a Z. It's not just that you didn't notice it. Um, They were called Heinz Baked Beans until 2004. In 2004, they added the Z. So they were called Heinz Baked Beans with a Z. Mm -hmm. And then in 2008, they became just Heinz Beans. Credit Crunch Mm. seeking for the baked anymore. Yeah, which actually I hadn't noticed. I'd noticed the Z, but I hadn't noticed they'd got rid of the word baked. I suppose a lot of people would take issue with the idea that they were prepared by baking. Oh, no, I don't think that is the reason. Because, you know, if you look at their main competitors, Branston, for example, they very much say Branston Baked Beans. Um, and so do all the own brand ones. In fact, I think, really, the reason they changed it was because Branston launched their beans that were quite popular quite quickly. Mm. They felt the heat, Heinz, and they were like, how do we how do we really consolidate our brand in this market where people are preferring, in some cases, to go for our rival? It's a boring legalistic registered trademark thing. Right. So they can trademark Heinz, they can trademark 57, they can trademark a tin of baked beans that's turquoise. And has that shape on it. Exactly. And they can trademark the word beans with a Z. The only things ah. they couldn't trademark before were, were the baked words baked beans because that's a type of product. When they had the slogan, beans means Heinz, did all of those words end in a Z? They did. Um, and th- that is what it's a throwback to. And rightly so, because uh, I didn't even realise, I thought that was a 1980s campaign. Yeah, I did. It's a 1960s campaign. Jeez. It had been around for 20 years by the time we were watching it. Uh, and it was unanimously voted at the turn of the century in a survey of ad men to be the best ever slogan for an advertising campaign. Not ooh, body form. <laughs> I'm sure that was a distant second. Helen, Oliver, though life is full of questions, there are answers you must know. One, no, it will not fall off, but moderation in all things too. Yes, there probably is, but we won't find out in our lifetimes. Three, most people prefer colliery, but my personal favourite is Dalton Four. If you try and slip a one, it would ruin your friendship. Yes. Here's a question from Paul who says, I know this may sound like a bit of a brag, but I honestly believe I'm the best person in the world at loading the dishwasher. Whoa there. Whoa. Oh my God. I, this, this is going to get brutal. A Big lot of claim. people are going to say, no, Paul, your way is wrong. Uh, I get everything all lined up perfectly, he says, so I can fit in as much as possible, but not so much that it doesn't clean properly. I see. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a balance. He's, I like what he's done there. He's revealed just enough of his technique that you understand mm-hmm. how he operates. In he's the not field. giving away his secrets, though, is it? It's exactly. like the magic fucking circle. Do you think he has gone so far as to buy crockery that is square? So that it's taking up the available space. Because you can't tessellate a round plate. 
but a square plate, you can optimise your dishwasher space. I think slates would be even better. No, slates are awful in every way. Never eat off a slate. I agree. Stop this but madness. But you, you don't have a lip, so they take up less... Uh... No. They don't have a lip, so the food drips off, Martin. It's not 2008 Perfect. anymore, Martin. And Everyone stops eating off slates. They, they haven't. Have you been to no. building sites and roofs where they belong? Have you they been haven't. to a pub in London? They just will not stop with the slate. Stop with the slate, please. And then you're like, oh, we've got bigger problems at the moment, Helen. No. Stop <laughs> our slates. Stop our slates. Well, Paul says, Helen, answer me this. How can I prove my dishwasher skills to myself and to the world? You've already proven them to yourself. No, but he wants Bragging some sort of it. arbiter, doesn't he? He wants, it sounds to me like a sort of Guinness World Records type independent observation on, on his skills. Paul, you need to find the satisfaction within yourself that you are the best at dishwashing. You don't need this external affirmation. Sometimes people want the independent verification. He says, it seems unfair we have the Olympics to find the best at running and swimming, but nothing to find the best person at dishwasher loading. I don't think that counts as unfair. I don't, I don't <laughs> think they're directly comparable. I mean, I speak as someone who's formerly produced items for daytime television <laughs> i think there is interest in this this could be the new supermarket sweep you have two people the same dirty crockery mm. they've got one minute to load the dishwasher to maximum efficiency and then an hour later you see whose plates have come out cleaner but do you know what paul i think this could be a youtube viral waiting to happen yes like the one there was a few weeks ago where the former bond girl rachel grant packed 130 things into a tiny bag um, and that, I haven't seen that one. It's quite compelling. Sounds really satisfying. The 130 things does include things like cotton buds and hairbands. So right. that is stretching the point a bit. But she does fit a lot of uh, garments into a tiny luggage? bag. Yeah, hand luggage. Something you could take on a plane. Yep. That's pretty impressive. I yeah. got bored and I unpacked your uh, handbag and took a photo of it. Yeah, we were on holiday earlier this year and I walked into the hotel room and found that Martin had taken everything out of my handbag and then laid it out in one of those Instagram square yeah, orderly yeah. layouts uh-huh. it was really beautiful you absolute pervert what were you looking for <laughs> i think i might have just looked all the shit on the floor and had to do something about it <laughs> but yeah i agree i think self-publishing might be the way forward here because you know paul we didn't know or the world didn't know that we were great at answering questions until we just did it we just took to the exactly. web answered people's questions here we are 10 years mm. later answering questions this is your field to take paul yeah uh, just mm. tell the world. You know, you don't need independent verification. Put it out there. Yeah. Film an incredible video of you loading a dishwasher and see if the world gives a shit. Okay, that is the end of this episode of Answer Me This. And if you have a question, please do formulate it and then send it using the contact details on our website. Answermethispodcast.com Whereupon you can also find links to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and buy our stuff from the Answer Me This store. What a comprehensive website it is. It is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it's incredibly old. Uh, and uh, it is. thanks again to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the show. And yeah. our website is not hosted by them. People do ask, but so it's do... just we couldn't be asked to move 2,000 posts yeah. from the last 10 years. I'm sure Squarespace Sorry. would make it easy if we could. But if I was starting it now. Yeah. Squarespace. We'd Squarespace all the way. I do use Squarespace for the Illusionist website. And I use it for the Modern Man website, actually. And I use that for the Song by Song podcast site. So we put our money where our mouths are. Yes. We all went for it. I got one for my dad as well. Oh, really? Yeah. That's oh, very nice, your dad's website. So, you know, if a 75 year old man can do it, you can do it. <laughs> uh, anyway, please return in two weeks' time for the next Answer Me This. Bye! Bye.